when you work this way in this cross-disciplinary way across, you know, planning, architecture, you know, design is that very often you engage a client that may well not know what they need. You know, you can show up, you know, they can hire you as an architect and some way through the, the, the process, you, you know, you realize that, well, this is more of an urban design problem or planning problem. And, and we have the ability to pivot in-house to bring some of those resources to bear on either an entire problem or parts of a problem that need that type of thinking and expertise. So we try and do it. It's a working process, right? You know, we're trying to just kind of break down the walls so that we can communicate across areas of expertise and focus on an issue sort of where it exists and not where we want it to exist. If you will. And I, I think that's the sweet spot where this sort of kind of multidisciplinary, all of these sort of folks doing different, that have different levels of expertise and bring them to the table to add to the challenges. Welcome to Best Practice, a show where we interview leaders in the building industry to unpack the tools, strategies, and tactics they use to run great organizations. Today, we're excited to be joined by Amy Howe and Colin Montute of WXY Studio for a fireside chat about how to cross-disciplinary firm prepares for emerging challenges. Amy Howe joined WXY in fall of 2015. Prior to joining the award-winning architecture and planning firm, she was the director of administration and external affairs at the Noguchi Museum, where she was part of the senior management team that stewarded the legacy of the artist's state into a world-renowned museum. During her tenure, she played a significant role in increasing the institution's capacity, expanding its outreach and programs, overseeing its multi-phase $23 million capital project, and the development of the master plan. So in many ways, she was the client. She serves on her local community board and is a member of the board of the Asian American Arts Alliance. Colin Montute AIA NOMA is a lead certified architect registered in New York with over 20 years of experience within a wide range of typologies. He has primarily worked on projects at the intersection of infrastructural systems, blended uses, and the public realm, so really large projects. Colin has worked on projects in diverse places like China, India, Dubai, Saudi Arabia, Ethiopia, Haiti, and the United States. Colin is currently Director of Architecture at WXY, an award-winning firm that we've gone over a little bit. And with that, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, for Fabulous intro. Thank George, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So to start off, I think it might be helpful just to kind of set the rhythms of the practice and kind of like, what's the day in the life look like for both of you? How would you define like the typical work week, month, quarter, and year in your roles? Oh my gosh, I almost don't want to answer this because COVID, you know, I think this has been really challenging the the last year and a half, 20 months. You know, when COVID first started, I think I was coming into the office once a week and now I'm sort of back three to five days a week. Every day's a new adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Only because we are actually in the process of building out a new office space And so there's been a lot of changes just the summer through now, packing up the old office. If any of you have ever been to our old office at Center Street, that we're no longer there. We're going to be at 25 Park Place. I'm advertising now. (laughs) So come come see us us in 2022. (laughs) Yeah. So every day has been a 
challenge. <laughs> yeah, I think so much of our day, our week is, is sort of three, you can think of it in three sort of buckets. One is sort of managing projects that are ongoing, right? Mm-hmm. And making sure that, you know, the folks that are tasked with making, you know, delivering on those projects, you know, they have what they need to succeed, right? Whether it's staffing or whatever communications or tools they have that they can deliver on the promise of, you know, what what we promised our clients, promised ourselves. And then the other part of it is sort of kind of pursuit, like kind of hunter-gatherer part of the effort where it's a lot of business development, reaching out, communicating with our collaborators, our clients, and just, uh, you know, whether those are calls or, you know, answering RFPs, RFQs, and so forth, and then and then staying in touch with um, sort of ex-clients and with people that are interested in us and our work. And then the other part is kind of getting out there and communicating about what we're about to kind of folks like you and to prospective new employees, you know, people that want to join us or work with us. So that's really a large part of how we spend the bulk of our kind of days and, and weeks. From my perspective as you know operations and finance too there are certainly you know quarterly things and you know preparing for taxes and whatever but there's definitely a rhythm um, but it's been a little bit kind of a touch and go with you know also moving and mm. also building out at the same time so there's just you know an onslaught of like Oh, yeah, exactly. Where do I find this and how do I get that done? You know, um, so it's, it's, sort of, it's been fun. <laughs> it's sort of, you know, you're moving. It's kind of yeah. the right analogy. You're sort of moving, but also you have to keep the business running. At exactly. The same time. Exactly. Someone's like, <laughs> okay, I put it in that box, I think. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. You want to be a going concern, yeah. but you are moving and building at the yeah. same time. Yeah. So it's a, it's a huge challenge. I've made it seamless, of course. <laughs> and well, to add to that complexity is running a multidisciplinary practice. So how does that factor into uh, the already complex nature of these different hats or kind of shifting, just the, the shifting nature of the world? I think, you know, from my point of view, I think, you know, really important to have more communication, communicate, over-communicate, over-communicate, you know, like, we are all working from our desks at home, at a coffee shop or so in the true. office. I feel like we have to be intentionally much more communicative than ever before, you know, to get across, oh, here's a project, you know, we need a planner's eyes on it. Or a planner might be saying, hey, you know, I'm not quite sure what this building is here for. And, you know, we need to talk to somebody. And I think we forget that when we're sitting at home and we're you know, looking at our screens, we forget that there's a whole studio full of people with expertise in so many different fields that we need to bring together. And I'm really, really looking forward to, you know, us coming back together with a new office, new meeting spaces for everybody to gather and collaborate. Yeah, I think one of the key things, and and Amy has been really helpful in us understanding this, is that, you know, we are architects, urban designers and planners, right? And those three disciplines have, they sort of work at different scales, both physically and time scales and, and sort of time windows. And, and each has their own, both staffing and financial implications. Right? So each want to sort of move, sort of kind of circle each other, if you will, but also advance at the pace they, they need for them to be successful. So navigating that is a huge 
it's a huge challenge um, with respect to staffing. And it's one of the key challenges when you talk about running having an interdisciplinary practice. It, you know, the different disciplines want things to happen at different times. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't know if we have all the answers, but definitely would love to hear from the audience about, you know, Absolutely. some of your challenges or your successes that you can share with us. Because I feel like, you know, over the five years, six years I've been with WXI, we've grown quite a bit too. So the portfolio has changed quite a bit. And uh, I think, you know, what we're doing now, we're not the same type of projects we did five years ago. So in that, you know, aspect, you want to make sure that you have the right skill sets you're bringing together and mm -hmm. that we're all moving, you know, at pace mm -hmm. with one another. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, Colin, is, you mentioned a little bit about the staffing might be uh, somewhat of a challenge. Is it, mm -hmm. Are, are the teams, so let's say I'm an employee at WXY, is it that I'm staffed on one planning project here or I'm staffed on an architecture project here? Like, are the disciplines clearly defined basically and staffing occur, is like, you know, each one has their own staff essentially that works on, on projects for that discipline? I think on the front end of projects, when we're doing pursuits and we're doing, you know, what would be sort of the schematic and sort of early DD phase, then across project types, we can very often share kind of staff, right? We're conceptualizing, we're iterating. I think there is when we can have kind of a fairly easy overlap, let's say, of, of staff. I think as projects advance and the commitment becomes more, more critical, what we say, we're, we're sort of has to go out the door and stand for us. I think you start to engage a more uh, experienced sort of level of team member. And this is true, whether it's um, architecture, planning, and urban design. The thing with the architecture projects um, is that they can often last, you know, a year, two years, three years, whereas the planning can be six months, eight months, or the urban design can be a sort of a three month, you know, or even a, let's say a three week, four week study. So it's these time scales that have an impact on how we the type of staff that we have and what we're able to, how seamlessly we're able to kind of share at different levels of a project's life. You know, I'm curious about uh, a little bit on your backgrounds. So museum is a background, amazing place to visit. ACOM as well. Just, uh, I'd love to hear how your backgrounds have contributed in this new moment you have now at WXY Studio. Like, and what maybe other unique backgrounds are coming into the office that are making this cross-disciplinary team so vibrant? I was really grateful that I think, you know, the leadership kind of took a chance on somebody like myself. Again, you know, a few years ago, five, six years ago, it was a small firm. So the staff size was about the same as my staff size at the museum. You know, I took care of a lot of the finance and operations at the museum for many years and managed, you know, in the last 10 years of uh, my career there, these capital projects that were pretty big and, um, you know, raising funds with the city and going through that whole process of uh, designing and building. So, you know, I, I think in terms of management, it was more or less the same level of work that you know, I had coming into the firm. So I didn't really have a big transition in that way because it was really a lot of, again, finance uh, operations. I think what was interesting though, that when I 
came upon WXY, we really didn't have a marketing department. So I was like the first director of marketing and operations and really built out that firm size, you know, I mean, the the team size to kind of go after the pursuits that we're going uh, after now. And it's been really interesting and just, you know, watching our growth um, the last few years. And it's been great. Yeah. And I've been both, both fortunate and unlucky, depending on the day, to work for firms that sort of all different, all different sizes, right? From, you know, one of the largest architectural practices in the world to having my own own firm, you know, one, two or three people. And I think every scale and every type of work in between has provided me certain tools that I could walk away with that I think influences my thinking about this idea of having an interdisciplinary practice, what that means and the power that that can provide, the value that can provide the kind of the built realm and what I, I try and bring to the practice now, you know, whether it's how sort of on the management side, on the pursuit side, on the, you know, on the kind of production and delivery side, I try and mine that history to bring sort of to bear the best of those experiences to our current situation. And I also want to add one last thing is, mm. you know, one of the attractions to WXY was the type of work that we do, right? And as somebody who sits on a community board, I was really, really fascinated with, you know, speaking to colleagues about, you know, this zoning change or that zoning change. And and so, you know, selfishly, I had a, you know, whole um, bevy of experts to tap for (laughs) all kinds of community board questions. Yeah. You know, and we have such a diverse, I mean, we have, you know, within a planning group, we have, you know, Economists, Trans- yeah, transportation. Economists, yeah. we have, you know, def- you know, people that are quite familiar with real estate mm-hmm. development, mm-hmm. you know, and analysts, and you know, across the broad spectrum of what it takes to have a really rich civic, you know, civic realm. Mm-hmm. You know, we have access to those mm-hmm. folks within the firm, and I think that's one of the best parts about working at WXY is access to some of the smartest people within mm-hmm. these various. And people who are actually doing the research or the study. And I think I'm so proud of our staff for not just, you know, doing their own thing. They have such large interest in the city and how um, the city works and what makes, you know, good planning and sustainability is always, you know. Good places at every scale. Exactly. So it's really, mm -hmm, really fun to work with a group like that. And I think that's another, you know, aspect of my attraction to coming to, you know, an architecture firm rather than staying in the nonprofit world. <laughs> With that kind of diversity of project types and the people that are, you know, part of WXY, can you walk us through a little bit of like how is the company structured then? Like, is it, you know, when I reflect on what you're saying, it seems like it's kind of like a matrixed organization in some capacity where you have maybe the economists are kind of a resource team that an R&D team that can help interface with any projects across the company is that the kind of nature of it like how would you describe the the organizational uh, matrix or structure of the firm <laughs> that's a tough one. I, I don't think I see it that way I don't Colin may disagree with me but I I think um because there are so many different types of work and we definitely do not want to pigeonhole anybody into you know like you know a square Cognitive, you know, it's just we don't do that. I think we want there to be 
an opportunity for everyone to be able to participate in a conversation, right? So it's really important for us to, you know, kind of tap the different disciplines and say, okay, we think we have this issue here. Mm. What do you think, you know, um, we'll need to do to examine, you know, deeply what the uh, issue, issues may be yeah. or the yeah, concerns or, you know, um, maybe the client's not seeing everything. What do you bring in? And so I think we go through some of that at the, the, the kickoff with the different disciplines, you know, uh, working from their point of view. Yeah. yeah, I you know, and I think that's something we, we try to uh, bring to, to a project. When you work this way, this cross-disciplinary way across, you know, planning, architecture, you know, the design is that very often you engage a client that may well not know what they need. You know, you can show up, you know, they can hire you as an architect and some way through the, the, the process, you, you know, you realize that, well, this is more of an urban design problem or planning problem. And, and we have the ability to pivot in-house to bring some of those resources to bear on either an entire problem or parts of a problem that need that type of thinking and expertise. So we try and do it. It's a work in process, right? You know, we're trying to just kind of break down the walls so that we can communicate across areas of expertise and focus on an issue sort of where it exists and not where we want it to exist, if you will. And I, I think that's the sweet spot where this sort of kind of multidisciplinary, all of these sort of folks doing different that have different levels of expertise and bring them to the table to answer the challenges. And as the project progresses, I mean, you know, different people will have different parts to play too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like it evolves, it, it evolves, evolves. evolves. And, you know, and, and we have those resources in house to be quite agile as to how we answer questions and, and respond to what clients are putting in front of us. Do you think that this is really the only true way to address the civic challenges that are emerging now that are much different than maybe were around 10 years ago? Maybe they were, but they were more dormant, um, especially as you prepare for the next 10 years. Like, how, how so. might you think about growing <laughs> that? What might be, is it by doubling or tripling some of these functions? Mm-hmm. Or there are actually additional disciplines that you feel are yet to come into WXY? Good question. What do you think? Oh my gosh, that's like a crystal ball question. <laughs> I I think there's still no, it's it's too early to tell. Maybe <laughs> I, th- I think maybe one of the ways we are addressing some of the gaps in our skill set or our knowledge base is by creating alliances with various partners that extend our expertise into areas where we don't necessarily want to have a foothold. You know, that could be could be landscape. It could be interiors. It, you know, it can be publishing. You know, certainly, you know, a planning group may well, you know, want to author a document or paper or something that want to get something published. So we're able to create these alliances to extend our reach beyond sort of what we do in-house and create partnerships. So that's something we were currently doing and we've often done and the principals and the firm have done over the years yeah. to allow us to deliver, again, this idea that sort of answering a problem where it exists, not where we want it to exist and 
you know, whatever that that may be. I think I've answered your question, but I'm not sure. Well, I also want to maybe jumping on that though, you know, this idea of the multidisciplinary practice, it's not just us, right? It's our community. Yes. And I think what you're speaking to, Colin, is so poignant. It's it's about building those partnerships with people that have the same, you know, ideals and, and same goals. And we definitely have increased that partnership pool over the years and and it keeps growing you know we, we're always looking for new partners to uh, team up with and we learn new things from everyone and that's a great part yeah. of it, that we learn we're we're quite open to distraction <laughs> to divergence and you know all in the sake of for the sake of um, improving the work expanding our our sense of what's possible and also opening the minds of the client mm-hmm. so that they they see that uh, you know and also it builds trust right you know if a client sees that you're quite ready to open them up to answers that you may well not control they you know there's a sense that you have their best interest in mind so i think that kind of thinking permeates the firm and and is is one of our strengths you know kind of a maybe the inverse of chris's question which is trying to like address the future in some sense, like thinking of the, about the past and something we reflect to at a monograph is just the kind of changing nature of how technology has influenced per, the perception of things all the way to, the, to city governance. And I'm curious if over the past 10 years, you know, and to your point, Amy, earlier about like uh, kind of being, being in the community itself, do you find that the dynamics have changed between people like local community groups and cities to the point where the skill set of the architecture of architecture firms or planning firms has had to adapt to meet it. And that's whether it's like adopting more like um, the, the strategies of like community engagement more so because of like how fast information spreads now, right? Perception on a project can change immediately overnight. If like those concerns aren't addressed up front earlier even, right? And, and I feel like it's kind of all like the evolution of like 9-11 essentially, right? The biggest public forum for like a big project that that, that mm-hmm. happened in New York. You know, have you tracked that change or have you gotten a sense of that at all? Like is has that kind of factored in? I think it depends on the project. Certainly, you know, we've in our planning um, portfolio, we've been doing a lot of school diversity and school planning work. And I think, you know, look, people just, we need to speak honestly with people when we're in the community. And, you know, I think the best solutions come from having really good, you know, constructive dialogue with people. I think that lesson learned there is key to everything that we do. In terms of the built side, maybe Colin can speak to that a little bit more, but I, I feel like yeah, there will be changes. I think, you know, with city government or any kind of government project or any kind of, you know, publicly funded project, right? Who are we doing this work for? And, you know, we always have to keep that in presence, you know, front and center about who we are, what we're trying to help change, and a community that is able to articulate and express what it is that they really want. And I think sometimes, sometimes you know, Sometimes there are tensions set up, you know, by different players. But I think, you know, we try very hard to go into it with straight, honest dialogues. So true. I think there's a part of it that it's sort of a realization that there are times when 
the community you're speaking to as much data as you have mm -hmm. and they're as informed as you are mm -hmm. so the relationship you wade into these engagements you know the types of engagements you want to have are slightly different and and I personally, I'm still coming to grips with that. Maybe we are as a firm or as an industry, right? So we're sort of in this kind of data-rich uh, time where it's really maybe it's curatorial. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but it's a but it's it's a different kind of conversation. It's not it's less one-directional mm -hmm. in a way. It's more it, it needs to be more of a conversation around possibilities and and how we work together to create kind of the best kind of civic engagements and, and, and types of places that we want to want to live in. Yeah, George, to your point about technology, I think, you know, you're right. And what Colin said too, that, you know, people are, they have so much information at their fingertips, you know, so you can't really, you know, <laughs> try and hide anything or, but, you know, but how we come together to really figure out how to solve problems right i think that's true that's what we need to do is to be able to come to a table and, and really have those one-on-ones with people and in that sense maybe what we are are conduits for solutions right it's less mm -hmm. about saying what things are are or what they should be but the means to achieve sort of a shared aspiration shared goal maybe mm -hmm. maybe it's something there yeah. that the type of conversation where conversations we're having yeah yeah, that really gets to the heart. I think it's like the need to become a facilitator as opposed mm -hmm. to imposing the solution on a community, mm -hmm. right? Like we know the answer. It's not that anymore. It can't be that because there's no asymmetry of information anymore, right? It's now mm -hmm. everyone has the same information. Now it's a matter of like, how do we involve the community more deeply mm -hmm. so that it's a win-win scenario for everybody at the end of the day? Everybody's actually coming out of it with something what they want. Whereas before it might have been like, you know, many years before it might have been easier for like an entity to impose a solution onto a community. And so that, that's just really interesting because I feel it changes the makeup of firms internally, whether they know it or not yet. Right. And I mean, holistically, right, especially when we, when we think about like large projects or uh, in general, it's like something that has yet to like be fully internalized. But I feel like what WXY is, is saying through the resources that it's then the staff that it's built up it's really addressing that right bringing economists in bringing other people so it's a more it's a, back in my mind i think about like does a client even see wxy like as an architecture firm or do they discover that actually it's like a consultancy group it's like a consulting group really right where the model is like it's getting fuzzy right i think like these things as things progress right as everyone has more information definitions actually become fuzzier about skill sets and what you're bringing in. So I'm curious what you what people think about that. I do think people have, I mean, you know, I, I think certain clients who are hiring us for architecture, right? They, they know exactly. But then when we start to suggest, hey, you know, you're not looking at this other aspect of your project, you know, let's look at your public space, you know? And then it just goes off into a, a different direction and a tangent. But I think, I feel like there's a lot of confusion sometimes with the planning side of the work that we do. You know, but you're an architecture firm. Why are you doing planning? You know, and I think it takes time for people to realize that without planning, you really can't do the architecture in most cases. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Or at least to have a, a kind of to do it well in the way we would want to do it is to have this broad in understanding of 
kind of the kind of the socioeconomic, political implications of the decisions we make. And that's sort of kind of getting back to how one discipline feeds another, right? And how our planning is sort of a resource for urban design, urban design and resource for architecture. Architecture is a resource for planning. It's this sort of way of working where um, the different arms of the practice inform each other right, and elevate and create sort of a, a value proposition that we think few other firms can provide. I like that we were going very close in this conversation about sharing the same context, because even before we started this call in our warm-up room, uh, you were talking about tactically how even amidst all this information and digital working environments, you're still relying on print and paper to work literally on the same page with the client in these working sessions where you have the same scale, the same context. The idea is that there's not this extra context that the client doesn't have in hand so that they could feel confident to participate. I feel like the way you described it tactically, just in the level of having a working session with a client is a great illustration of what you're, you're discussing here, maybe at a higher level about sharing context. Yeah, and this is where our current remote situation kind of falls down, falls apart, is that there are there are still those times where you want to have a conversation around a common understanding that allows you to sort of move on, right? So you're able to create kind of a baseline of understanding of shared information. And, and I think that happens best face-to-face you know, around, uh, it could be around a, you know, a large drawing or plan or image. And so you can have a conversation and you, and there's certain things we do in person in terms of um, how we engage with each other that simply can't be done through a screen. So I think it's, it's harnessing that possibility is, um, I think, what we're kind of still trying to keep alive. And I think will be, still be useful as we move forward, even though I think our work, certain work context will change in terms of how much, you know, how much time we actually spend in an office or, you know, how many times do we actually come in? You know, we're still struggling with those questions, but I think certain types of engagement, we still have a great deal, have a great deal of value for our work. How about the nature of shared context in, internally? Like at Monograph, that is like one of our biggest theses is the idea that if you bring a financial context into project operations context to your project teams that project managers can think more like principals, designers can think more like project managers. So there's a better graduation up to context. So I'm curious how context, I just like how we're talking about context and sharing context, sure, sure. sharing disciplinary ways of thinking. How is that shared internally at, in the office, either at a management level or you know financial level? I think we're I I think we're still working through a lot of those contexts. And again, you know, I, we grew I think quite a bit since COVID. Um, and you know, with the types of projects that we've been working on since COVID, it's it's changed some of the internal structures. And so we've been actually reorganizing ourselves a little bit in the last. 18 months or so. And I think we're on course. We're definitely getting everybody, you know, information and trying to be more structured about 
having those contextual conversations. I think it's coming to, you know, that point, right? It's not about, you know, necessarily, you know, a billing info, you know, that is missing, yeah. but like, let's get to, you know, where the progress of the project is going. And so I think sure. we're doing much better <laughs> at formulating some of those says the, says the woman when no. it all falls apart. So it falls, uh, yeah, in her exactly lap. When it all falls apart is on me. <laughs> oh, no. so, it's, so it's it's up to all of us to really, as we figure this out, yeah. how to, like, what information do we need to do our jobs, yeah. right? And to be effective, and what do we need to understand so we can make smart decisions on a daily basis? Right? So, part of my job, part of our job, is to give our teams what they need to be successful, right, and to thrive and to be vibrant employees, right, within the firm, but not burden them with things that really, you know, they shouldn't be worrying about. I right? kind of remove all of that stuff, right, kind of smooth the path for them. So we're still figuring that out, what that information is, what are those tools that allow people to step in, get what they need in terms of information-wise, and kind of step out of that flow. Because it can be burdensome, yeah. um, I think, to many of our staff. And this is a conversation we're having. I mean, we had the conversation this morning, and we'll have it tomorrow morning. But I think that's a large part of what we're currently, mm-hmm. you know, currently talking yeah. through on a daily yeah. basis, what and the tools we use, and blah blah blah. Yeah. For that kind of ongoing conversation, do you is there any source of inspiration or any outside of maybe even architecture that have come into the conversation about like, well? You know, what basically like a monograph for a lot of things, we are always looking towards like what's the cutting edge thinking from software engineering on management, because for whatever reason, software engineers are light years ahead on management managerial practices than most any other industry. I'm curious on like what else is entering that conversation to helping to inform managerial innovation within the firm, I guess. I feel like a lot of that is uh, tied to strategies and, you know, Right. Everybody's going through a strategic thinking every 14 months, something like that. Maybe less. <laughs> or, or less every 12 months. And so often, you know, we get to a strategy and we're like, okay, let's pivot this way. And all of a sudden you're doing a totally different type of work. And you've got, you know, a totally new group of architects, you know, interested in whatever it is. Right. I, I feel like I think strategy for every firm like that drives that uh, particular strategy and then and then alignment right yeah. across yeah. Uh, across your practice and then and there's a question you know you have a strategy then you develop a tactic mm-hmm. and then what are the tools that allow you to implement it and that's again we're right in the midst of that conversation so mm-hmm. you know we sort of have us kind of have our strategy i think you know you please yeah. feel free to <laughs> Yeah, 2022 will be a different strategy. But I think we're becoming more and more aligned as to what, you know, what it is we want to do as a practice, where we want to position ourselves relative to, and let's say infrastructure or transportation or education, you know, all of these, you know, there's a place where we can sort of, if you will, carve, kind of carve out a place where, we can sort of express what we care about and what we think others should care about as well. Yeah, for us, it's like, so for some back story, about a year ago, we were about eight people, I think. Now we're about 40, right? Wow. And, and so 
you know, the recognition that communication breaks down every, I think it's like every, after 30, it breaks. And then like after maybe 60, it breaks, there's like a doubling effect that just like whatever was working for me just doesn't work anymore. And I'd imagine that's, I mean, COVID ultimately compounds the challenge yeah. too, if you're growing sure. within it. So, I mean, it's, it's, it resonates with us too, because we're actively always, I mean, uh, there's a saying of like, you're building the plane as it's flying sort of thing, <laughs> sure. right? And that's, that's just kind of the nature of trying to be, yeah. to listen to, to like the reaction. Mm -hmm. And we, we, you know, so I completely resonate on that front. They and I don't think that's a bad thing. Maybe not for people fly, mm -hmm. it, flying the plane, but I mean, I think it, it speaks to, you know, that kind of openness and the ability to take risk and the ability to yeah. confidence, mm -hmm. confidence in what you're putting out. Yeah. You can stand behind it. And, yeah. And, you know, of course, you, you, know, you have to do the work, you have to follow up, make sure. I think you have to be open to sort of new things, new ways of thinking, new, you know, it has to, it has to inform you. Otherwise, I, you know, to my opinion, I, I feel you're going backwards. And today more than ever, right? Where there's so much stuff flowing at us that, that are, have the potential to influence and impact our work. We have to sort of be open. And continually having discussions internally and externally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, we, we're, we'll transition now to some questions, I think, but um, <laughs> sure. from the audience. But I feel like, um, yeah, sure. you know, the rate of change, you know, is it's so fast that openness has to be a default um, oh, mode of operating. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's because a lot of I think the assumptions, if you rely on the assumptions you were using about how things worked ten years ago you're already be so behind, exponentially exactly. behind. 10, 10 months ago. Yeah, 10, yeah, 10 ago. months ago. It's like, oh, it's already a whole different thing, right? If, and so I think that that is, one of the things we talk about is this idea of practice operations, where it's like, we feel that part, partly what we think is going to happen in the industry is there will be more focus on operations, but like, not mm -hmm. like operations in the sense of like HR and, and maybe maybe finance, really more of like completely reimagining how operations works across functions, meaning all the way from marketing, mm -hmm. from everything from bringing work in to getting work to come back in, right? The whole journey. And that it's gonna be really driven through data ultimately, because that's one of the assumptions that has changed. It's that data sort of lives in silos, but nowadays it doesn't have to. And what could a firm do if it were to reimagine itself through that? And I, I feel, you know, that's was kind of a, a narrative that Monograph lives on, but also, I get the sense that this operations in general is going to be one of those things that just has to be default on with firms. Like they have to hire, if you're like starting out an office now, you got to have operations within your first 10 employees because you yeah. need someone that's thinking about the future of how we work, not about how we work. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's, it's critical. Uh, you know, you just, you know, you just can't assume that what you knew yesterday is valid today. It, it, it's a scary proposition, but I, I, you know, here we are. Yeah. Here's a question from the audience. How does one pioneer a new division in an architecture firm? Colin mentioned new unfamiliar territories like publishing as a potential viable route to growth. How can one be persuasive in getting the right people in the firm to buy into the new idea? I think it's both of us. <laughs> it's definitely you. You go for it. Oh boy. Well, I think you have to make a value case that what you do in the practice can feed the practice. I mean, we're businesses, right? So, and the way I would do it is create a proposition 
that has value to the firm itself, but also has this larger mission to the industry as a whole or to this that kind of sharing, kind of that sharing idea. So in terms of publishing, it's, you know, aligning, is there, is there something that you want to say that has value to others and that can help elevate the firm or the conversation that a firm or practice is having? And I would look for that and then seek out like-minded souls to support that interest. There's another question. It's a community favorite. What is a lesson you did not learn in school? I went to art school. <laughs> so. What I didn't learn was that architecture means different things to different people. And you have to frame your conversation based on the, uh, their understanding of what design is, what architecture is, what architects do. So it's a, depending on their lens, you actually have to shift your lens so that you can speak with them on the same plane. I think that's one of the key things that sort of over the years, oh, okay. I have to be able to be sort of <laughs> kind of shift how I talk about what I do depending on the audience and the understanding of what an architect is and what we do. And for me, I think operation side speaking. Yeah, I wish I had a law degree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I feel like, you know, all you do sometimes you're reading all these government, you know, paperwork and you're like, what's this going on? And nonstop. Yeah, it is nonstop. So that's one thing I didn't learn in oh art school. That <laughs> it's like the amount of legalese we have to sift through yeah. is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. <laughs> I'm sure the audience has a lot of that too. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I, uh, Colin, I'm curious, uh, yeah. you know, as director of architecture, mm -hmm. um, one characteristic about leaders that I find very, uh, common is that it just it's constant repetition uh, you find yourself repeating the same thing over and over again because you have to because it's necessary and actually like that's that's part of the of the role essentially but I'm curious like what do you find yourself like the, basically the the lessons you've picked up along the way and you mentioned a little bit at the beginning I'm, I'm really curious to maybe unpack a little bit about the things that you've picked up on that you find yourself advising people on on a daily basis or weekly basis whether it's like the advice you wish you would have had earlier or, you know, from that perspective and you're curious to hear. Yeah, sure. I think as we're currently interviewing, right, I think I can approach that question through that lens that I'm looking for team members. So kind of a strange thing to say, but team members <laughs> that can elevate others, right? So that that can position themselves, they, they can bring something to the table that elevate their colleagues and are willing to share it, right? You know, what else have you got? <laughs> I mean, but, you know, what of yourself are you bringing to the table that helps broaden our discussion within the practice and that perhaps can elevate the work or the people around you? So that, you know, I'm not sure if that's an answer to, to no, your question, no. but, but sure. that's one of the key things that I'm looking for when I speak to or you know, a prospective kind of employee. I'm looking to have a conversation as to there's, you know, you know, what else are you bringing to the table other than what you're showing me in your CV, your resume, or your work samples? Like, you know, this is, you know, this is a conversation within the firm. It's kind of this ongoing conversation. What can you add to that conversation? So I think that's one of the key things that I, I'm always 
trying to get people to invest sort of in themselves and in the practice. Amy, from your perspective, I'm curious too about while you might not be involved at a granular level on like projects necessarily, what do you find kind of like the things that you feel have been helpful to you that you've helped to communicate to others too along the way? Like, do you have like go-to lessons learned that uh, you like to share for people as anecdotes even? I think the go-to is that, I mean, for, again, I'm kind of new to the industry, right? So I can't speak to how others do it, but what I found, you know, coming into a firm that was about 20 and now, you know, then we went to 50 in a short time, that there's a lot of administration, you know, running a business. And I think, you know, very often you you have architects or, you know, a team of architects thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to build the most gorgeous building without realizing all the admin stuff that comes with it. And I think it's very, very, it's a very big burden for an architect to deal with, you know, HR and finance and all of that. I mean, you know, understanding what you can delegate to somebody else, how to build that team to support the function of the entire architectural practice, you know, that's a lot, you know, and it's not something that comes easily with some people. I think some people would like to like hang on to, you know, all the be hands-on and everything. And it's like, no, you can't, you need to concentrate on designing and, you know, building and, you know, BD, but like let others do you know what they the, do best <laughs> yeah and there's, and there's a lot of it yeah, I, i'm finding out like you know it's as we're true. getting into like larger infrastructure projects the amount of the mountain of paperwork <laughs> um so you know and no, no architects want to do that <laughs> it's, it's incredible how much paperwork but, but understanding you know what each firm's admin needs are i think you know because that's that's the other part of it that you can't because you, know, you can't function without it. No, it you can't it, function without it. You can't it buy it off the shelf. You can't, you can't buy it off the shelf. No. You can't function without it. And it needs to be tuned exactly to your needs. Yeah, exactly. And it's critical. Yeah. Well, I'd like to end uh, with uh, a favorite conversation uh, or question that we like to ask all of our guests. And if you've heard any of the ones uh, of our previous podcast episodes, you might already have a hint as what it is. But most people don't get all the way to the end. So uh, we'll I, yeah. the question is, what's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for you? And we like to bring it back to being human. At the end of the day, we talk about, a lot about business, but we, we, you know, business is made up of people. And we always like to end on a, on a really positive note. So we get all sorts of answers for this question and uh, whether it ranging from personal to business, but we'll let you uh, decide what you want to share. Tough question. I, I, I mean, so many. People, it is a tough question. <laughs> so many people have been incredibly generous to me. I've, I'm quite lucky in that way. I mean, I've had, you know, maybe I can reframe it as sort of a formative moment professionally. Is that, I mean, I had the occasion fairly early in my career to work for Max Bond, sort of one of my first, uh, and he really helped me, you know, as a person of color with not many sort of images of how to do and where to be and how to. He was just so incredibly generous to me uh, in terms of um, asking me questions I couldn't answer and I'm still trying to answer and helping me um, sort of decide who I wanted to be when I grew up. So, I mean, I look back on the brief time I had to work with him and the incredible generosity he showed me as one of the formative 
months that um, I still hold on to and look back to this day. So I think, I mean, that's, I think that's the thing that um, has helped me sort of carry with me all these years later. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I appreciate both of you for sharing that and being so open and throughout the whole conversation, just being so open about where you're at. You know, I think that's the whole core of what we're trying to do here is just like open up a conversation about the challenges we all face and where we're at at, at different stages of our practice or, you know, as people. And so I really appreciate both of you for, for coming on and, and sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's, uh, it's exciting to talk about these critical questions and whatever we can share i think we're so happy to do so you know we love this industry so share with like-minded folk it's a real pleasure yeah absolutely and come see us in 2022 <laughs> when we're back well a new space <laughs> when a new space new space big party i don't know I, well you're we'll all invited it. we might uh i don't know if christmas is actually i'm looking at arc league maybe going to the arc league uh party yeah, uh um, look us up yeah, yeah, definitely. it's going to be. I think it's in January, late January, or something like that. So, yeah, no, yeah please. Stop we'll in. You, will you be in the new office by early January? Well, I, I'm, in, I'm in the building. It's a very delicate, say. it's a very delicate question, George. I think you're asking. I think you're causing trouble. I'm, you. I'm in the building. I All just right. don't know where I'll be, but you can find right. me here. I'll, I'll bring some boots. To, there, you the go. Office, right? there you go. All right, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Chris, for Thanks, George. Thanks, Thanks, George. Thanks, Chris. Thank you all. Bye now. Bye. Hey, it's Chris from Monograph. Thank you so much for joining us here. At Monograph, we're building the number one practice operations platform for small to mid-sized architecture firms. More than 200 practices are using Monograph today to run the business side of architecture. You can start a free trial today or watch a live demo with our CEO, Robert Ewan. Get started at monograph.com. That's monograph.com. Talk to you soon.